Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Dove and Rose podcast, formerly known as the Royal and France podcast. I'm Walter Emerson. Thank you for joining. Uh, what I'd like to do is um, make mention of some additional resources that um, I think would really benefit you if you're following along. Uh, I'm also the co-host of a podcast called The Heroic Hearts, and my uh, my co-host with me is Amy Chase, and we have this uh, this podcast. That the Heroic Hearts are references to the hearts of Saint Joan of Arc and Saint Therese of Lisieux. So that sounds pretty exciting because that's a lot of what I'm talking about. And so we uh, specifically, we have season one that's on Joan of Arc and season two on St. Therese. So I think you'd really enjoy that. Heroic-hearts.com. Heroic-hearts.com. And Amy also has a Substack site called The Occidental Tourist. The Occidental Tourist. And I think that I think that, you know, in a certain sense, we kind of see these as kind of merging together to a certain degree. So given where I'm going to go today, I want to, I'll probably be re- kind of repeating that announcement each time so that you've got the Dove and Rose here, you have Heroic Hearts um, in in terms of the po- uh, uh, sort of a separate uh, podcast on St. Joan and St. Therese, and then the Occidental Tourist. So, and the reason I say that is because I've, I've been going through, and, and, and I hope you've enjoyed the discussion, but it's certainly been very conceptual and very, uh, you know, a little bit sort of high level. And, and there's, there's a reason for that, because I've been trying to explain, you know, not only my conversion experience, but this, this tremendous, you know, moment, this phenomenal moment I had with St. Joan of Arc. And that, which really led to me doing this entire project over the course of like, as of this recording now, about 14 years. And I remain as enthused as ever about it. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging. Uh, but let me, let me uh, kind of, you know, let's put it in two different categories here. You know, one category is, you know, we're talking sort of metaphysics. Uh, the metaphysics of the church, scholasticism, St. Thomas Aquinas, those things that don't change. On the other hand, we've been talking phenomenology, which really, as you're aware, uh, came to me through Edith Stein and then through her uh, observing and reading other, other phenomenologists. And, you know, the really one of the goals here is to try to continue to bring these two separate but actually complementary disciplines together. And so I've been trying to explain how these two separate but complementary uh, approaches to looking at the world, looking at life, uh, particularly through the lens of Catholicism, has, has really helped me. And I was led into it. I mean, I really I didn't have any choice but to pursue um, when I had this this moment of just deep devotion that struck root in my soul to St. Joan of Arc. And it became something that was a life force in me I had to pursue. 
And so, yes, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a little bit uh, conceptual probably. So one of the things I want to do is, uh, as, I, as I go forward here, is, is maybe start bringing in some more concrete examples and discussions you know, particularly from the lives of St. Joan of Arc and St. Therese, so that we can take some of these ideas and start to uh, make them a little bit more concrete. So where I I left last time, you know, really with uh, this sort of plea, so to speak, that, uh, you know, that that trying to describe, uh, you know, phenomenology is really receiving the... uh, you know, the gift of receiving the world as the world desires to be received, receiving the Lord the way he desires to be received, that it's really about opening our minds and our hearts and receiving as opposed to us trying to dictate the terms of 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 our existence. So one of the, I think, issues I had with... Um, Kind of when I was just from a purely metaphysical standpoint, this you know doctrines, dogmas, uh, you know the ideals of truth, beauty, and goodness, the ideals of Aquinas and scholasticism, which is all critically important and it's a big part of our Catholic faith. It's an essential part of our Catholic faith. Um, but it it there was there was kind of something missing, and that was my own experience in that. You know, so I had a lot of great ideas roaming around my head, but there were, but the experience of it was, was a different thing. And where phenomenology really helped me was in opening myself up so that I could receive the benefits of what the metaphysics were telling me. And, and again, I know that sounds, you know, conceptual, but if you go back through my previous episodes, I've been kind of explaining how that is. Well, you know, how does one even get started doing that? Well, I started with descriptive phenomenology, just writing descriptions of what, you know, what was going on? What, what was this phenomenon? Let me describe the phenomenon. You know, if I have you describe a, uh, a beautiful home somewhere, you're going to walk on one side, then you're going to walk in the back, and then you're going to you know, look at the side of the home, you're going to kind of walk around and you're going to describe and write what you see from different perspectives. And that's really what I was doing uh, in this dis- description of trying to get my arms around. And I noticed that that's not, it's, re- it's, it's always looking at the metaphysics as, a, as guardrails to make sure I, you know, I don't, you know, fall off a cliff somewhere. But, but the point is, is that it's, it's, really focused on opening up to um, to perceive receive what I'm perceiving. So let's kind of, as I said, try to make this a little bit more concrete. So, you know, I kind of maybe want to end that section with uh, that, that more conceptual piece with the idea that I, I kind of think of it with these basic characteristics in terms of a process. There's a certain givenness that comes to us from others and from the world. And what that does is when we receive that is it creates possibilities. So when we receive these gifts, uh, you know, like I received St. Joan of Arc, well, well, that kind of opened the door. There's a lot of possibilities to that. But then through the, 
the descriptive phenomenology followed by sort of redefining my map of meaning and looking at my points of meaning, my nomadic map, and then making logical connections so that various meanings came together and created larger meanings, more gestalt type, um, uh, more gestalt type concepts that it, it really came to obtaining lines of insight, making those logical inferences, and then having a resulting expression. And so that resulting expression is a way of, of really solidifying what it is that we've received. So there's kind of a givenness, then there's possibilities, then we receive lines of insight, from those lines of insight, we make logical inferences, and then from that, we create an expression of what it is that we've received. And that's what I did with my Royaume France model that I talked about. So well, I, I want to start with a couple of uh, examples to talk about. So let's start with uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, because I told you when I came into the church, uh, that I, you know, when I came in, I, I was sort of in this, uh, you know, as Martin Heidegger might say, this sort of every man, every day. I didn't really, I didn't really care about much. I just kind of lived. Whatever the world was doing is what I did. There was really no authenticity to my life. And I came in and I began, I really the first experience I had when I went to RCIA class when I was getting ready to marry my beautiful wife, I really felt first and foremost the call of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that was truly a phenomenon as well. I, I, was, not, I was not steeped in doctrine, dogma, metaphysics, or anything like that. You know, my, my first experience of conversion in the church through the heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary was more phenomenal, phenomenological than it was receiving wonderful ideas and then me constructing them in my intelligent mind and coming up with conclusions. It wasn't it at all. Uh, I remember the, the, uh, they were teaching the Hail Mary, and, and that prayer really did a, did a lot for me. And, I, I be, and the first thing I thought of, the first phenomenal description I can give of the Hail Mary was that I thought it was absolutely beautiful that we could pray to the mother of God. No one ever told me we could do that before. And so th here's the Hail Mary and there's all kinds of metaphysics and dogmas and doctrines. You can go around the Hail Mary and they're all necessary and we need to know them. But phenomenologically, what I received from it was how beautiful it is that we can pray to the mother of God. So what I first received was phenomenological. It wasn't the doctrine. I didn't know anything about the doctrines and dogmas and things like that. So the first thing was phenomenological. And I began going and praying to the Blessed Virgin uh, before there were a beautiful statue and then a beautiful picture of Our Lady Guadalupe. And I started doing that. And I, and I was, you know, it felt strange because I wasn't used to that, but I felt very at home because the second sort of phenomenological experience around the Blessed Virgin was that I felt she was my mother. Now, see, notice that this is all coming before 
I have metaphysical knowledge from which I can deduce with my brilliant mind these wonderful uh, uh, doctrines. Uh, the first piece was, it's beautiful that I can pray to the mother of God. How beautiful is that? And secondly, that I feel like she's my mother, both phenomenological. So I want to kind of start there because after our Lord and of course the, uh, the sacraments and the adoration of the Lord in the Eucharist, well, what better place to start after that than with the Blessed Virgin Mary? So I'm, I'm referring here to a book I bet a lot of you are familiar with. It's called True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. That was one of the earliest uh, introductions I had to the Blessed Virgin. It was a, fr uh, a family member uh, on my wife's side uh, gave me this book. And it was not long after, within the year, I made my total consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary after having, not long before, coming into the church, just been a whatever, who cares uh, type of a person. And there's, uh, I'm quoting, uh, I'll put this out on the, uh, the notes, the particular edition and everything, but I'm quoting Article 1 at the beginning of uh, chapter, chapter 1 from St. Louis. I'm just going to read this one paragraph. But it's, he says, it was only through Mary that God the Father gave his only begotten to the world. Whatever sighs the patriarchs may have sent forth, whatever prayers the prophets and the saints of the old law may have offered up to obtain this treasure for full 4,000 years, it was only Mary who merited it and found grace before God. By the force of her prayers and the eminence of her virtues, the world was unworthy, says St. Augustine, to receive the Son of God directly from the hand, Father's hands. He gave him to Mary in order that uh, the world might receive him through her. What I think is lovely about that is remember last time I talked, I don't know how many times I mentioned receive in the last episode, but it was a lot because that's a lot of what we're talking about. And, and I love the way that St. Louis introduces our, our lady to us by talking about uh, receiving the Son of God and receiving uh, him through her. So those very words are about us receiving the Lord through the Blessed Virgin. And, you know, going back to my own experience in conversion was that was first phenomenological. It was experiential and phenomenological before it became, um, before it became sort of doctrine and, and, and metaphysics. So the, the Lord and Our Lady gave themselves to me and... I was in the process of receiving that. And, and I had to throw away, I mean, I mean, I had to really kind of open the doors of what I had previously thought. I had to open the doors of ideology, you know, my old ideologies and receive the Blessed Virgin and, and, and her, uh, her treasure, which of course was her son. And so... That's really, and I think it's very beautiful that the way St. Louis de Montfort lays this out is 
he's really talking about this phenomenological experience of us receiving the Lord and uh, not just figuring him out through some sort of doctrines and dogmas and things like that, which are important. Now, I want to go, and, and, and now I want to talk a little bit about St. Therese. And with, with uh, the experience of the Blessed Virgin Mary in mind, I'm, I'm reading now from a book called The Life of St. Therese of Lisieux, the original biography commissioned by her sister that was done by uh, August Pierre LaVey. Le- uh, and I'll put this out on the notes as well. And so this is someone who was commissioned by St. Therese's sister, by her family, to write her biography. And so this goes way back, and someone who actually knew the family who wrote this. And he's, uh, he's quoting um, in here a, a, a time that Therese had. And I want you to notice the, the great phenomenology in the way she describes things. It, it's really incredible. I think she is just this a magnificent phenomenologist, even though I doubt that she really ever really heard that word. But she really has that spirit. I, I, it, it, I don't know, it stuns me to think and to see when I read St. Therese how she brought metaphysics together with phenomenology just naturally. Well, with grace, but I mean just naturally. It, there was no academic thing about it, but she, she could bring in the truths, the eternal truths of the faith together with the description of phenomenon uh, and phenomena in, in, in her life. So here's one example. So um, the author writes, we find expression of the same and even deeper impressions when on one occasion a sudden storm filled the skies with lightning flashes. And then he's, we're quoting Therese now. I turned now to the left, now to the right, in order to lose nothing of that brilliant spectacle, I saw a thunderbolt fall into a neighboring meadow. And far from being terrified, I was enchanted at the sight. It seemed to me that the good God was quite near. Now, isn't that beautiful? And what St. Therese noticed that what she's receiving, uh, she's receiving our Lord in a special way. And so scientifically, we would have a description of what she encountered. We would talk about the, 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 the atmosphere and the weather patterns and how the electrons move and everything when they're like, and, but what she, and that was all happening around her. Objectively speaking, that was all happening around her. But what she received actually was a sense of the nearness of God. She, and so what she saw was a, she saw a complete picture. So we'll talk about this. I've mentioned it before, but we'll talk a little bit more about this notion of a gestalt. A gestalt, remember last time, I think in the last episode, I talked about those, remember those pictures when you were a kid, you had little dots with numbers and you would, you'd draw the lines from one number to another. And then you'd go, oh, it's a, it's a duck <laughs> or, oh, look the picture it made. It's a, it's a cow. And so the, that picture that emerges by, by 
by tying together those 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 dot points is sort of that gestalt image. And so gestalt images tend to be just sort of an impression that just hits us at once. So Therese could just see this entire picture at one time. She wasn't piecing together the individual elements and then trying to deduce the meaning of those and putting, you know, it was a, it was a picture. It appeared to her and she was able then to identify certain aspects of it, like seeing this bolt of thunder of lightning go over here. And what it gave her was a sense of the, the presence of God now that is really, I think, a, a, just a, a beautiful phenomenological description, and it's not that different from the uh, what I received through Therese in reading her poetry about Joan of Arc. It's not that different from the feeling I had when that moment with Joan of Arc came. It was as if I think I even describe it in some of my writing about it hit like a thunderbolt. It really was. It was, uh, and in fact, you know, what Trez just described there is a great description of that moment with Joan of Arc. It, it hit like she's describing, like a bolt of thunder and, and what would be possibly a terrifying, you know, moment. But she saw the power and the beauty of God in that moment of, of, of a storm over the fields of her native France. And that, that was the experience that I had. What I had to figure out was, what is it I received? I had this moment, very much like Therese just described, but I didn't really know. I knew it was of God. I, I, it, there was no doubt in my mind it was, it was of God. But it, it became, I wasn't exactly sure what it was. Again, it was a, a familiarity. Uh, there was some, it was a sense of familiarity, of recognition, but not knowing what it was I was recognizing. You know, this is what I've been talking about. Phenomenological experiences tend to be I I'm familiar in this world. I recognize it. I can sense it, but I really don't know what it is, which is kind of the opposite of the way we typically think that we're supposed to operate. <laughs> we get information, and then we determine what it is. And this was a little bit different. And so let me close then, uh, because I'm going to continue now with this method of bringing together what I've been saying with discussions on St. Joan and St. Therese and Mother Mary. So now I'm going to do the final little presentation here in a book called Joan of Arc, Her Story, written by Regine, per, per, I say Pernaud, I'm sure that's English, Pernou. Um, she was a, a, a well-known authority. Um, I think she was head of the French archives. And she was a well-known historian and authority on Joan of Arc. And she, <clears throat> her book is really one of those that <clears throat> you have to read. So in the opening, um, she gives a quotation. A quotation from someone who lived with Joan of Arc and fought beside her. And 
this is from the uh, the Duke of Orleans. Um, and so the uh, the quote says, they say that a maid passed by the city of Guillaume, a maid who presented herself to the noble Dauphin to raise the siege of Orléans and to lead the Dauphin to Reims so that he might be anointed. And this was in February of 1429 by the... Um, by the uh, the what they call the bastard of Orléans, uh, the Count of Dunois, of Dunois. Notice the mystery in what he is, what he's saying, and then he goes on to say, "Since I was the guardian of the city of Orléans, being lieutenant general once the war began, I sent to the king's court the sire de Biar, who was." Seneschal of Beauclerc and Jamais du Thier, who later was bailiff of the Vermandois, for fuller information concerning this maiden. Now, isn't that a beautiful, mysterious opening? Now, this again is a, is a reflection from a different perspective of what happened to me when this, this deep devotion to St. Joan just immediately struck my, my heart and soul was very similar to what uh, uh, Dunois is describing. Notice it's a phenomenon. He, he's, I heard of this maid, this phenomenon. There's a phenomenon out there. And what did he do then? He sent to inquire about this phenomenon. And, and that is really the essence of our phenomenological search is we're not sitting in a, in, a, in a world only of ideas and concepts, but we have just witnessed or, witnessed or at least experienced or heard. There are different ways that we can experience a phenomenon. So we heard of this maze, a phenomenon, and I sent someone to inquire. That was my journey with St. Joan. It was that Theresian-type thunderbolt, and it left me in the same position that Dunois was in of, what is this? What is this phenomenon? I need to inquire about this phenomenon of Joan of Arc that just presented herself to me. And that was the beginning of the phenomenological journey. So what I hope you'll maybe think about is the difference, the complementary nature of metaphysics with phenomenology, and at the same time, their separate nature. And I want to continue to go forward now and make this a little bit more concrete with these references to uh, St. Joan and St. Therese and, of course, under the mantle and protection and consecration to Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary. So I hope that you'll 
kind of take this direction I'm going, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So again, this is why I say um, I think you would really enjoy going to heroic-hearts.com and listening to our podcast over there and visiting Amy, my co-host, visiting her substack at uh, the, Ox- the Occidental Tourist is what the substack is. And so I hope that you enjoy that. I'm looking forward to this. So I'm actually going to, I'm, I'm actually going to bring St. Joan and St. Therese now with us so they can be journeying with us instead of us just talking about them. Why don't we let them come and journey with us and let's experience the two of them together. All right. I think that sounds, I think that sounds like fun. I think that's the direction we're going to go here. I appreciate you listening. I hope you enjoyed it and um, jump in and subscribe if you want to keep up uh, with these. I look forward to talking with you on the next one. Thank you. God bless.